regardless of what you think you should be doing or what everyone else around you is doing, what do you want? What are your values and goals and, and how do you get your finances to align? You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to the Creatives Making Money podcast. I'm so excited to have you listening to us today. My name is Jamie Jensen and I will be your host. And with me today is the incredible Michelle Bobrow. Michelle is the founder of The Holistic Wallet. And what she does there is she coaches creatively minded women on mastering great financial habits so that they can fund the lives that they actually want and do it without letting their budget get in the way. So budget doesn't have to be an issue anymore. Now you can access everything you want by, by being creative with how you manage your money. Michelle has a really interesting story that I'm excited for her to share with you today. She left the corporate banking industry um, as a debt-free finance expert. And as she has become a self-employed creative herself, she's relearning a lot of old lessons about mindful money management and how to balance mindset with strategy around money so we can pay off our pasts, like our debts, save for our futures, our dreams and desires, and really be in the present and enjoy what we have. So Michelle, I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. <laughs> um, I have a bunch of questions for you today. I, you I have so many. You know me. I'm like the queen of difficult questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I really want to know is like, how did you end up in corporate finance? Um, this is an interest, like I'm asking this question because knowing you, um, and for those of everyone here is meeting Michelle for the potentially for the first time. Um, and she is a very, you know, individualized values oriented person. So my big curiosity is like, how did someone like you end up in corporate finance? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> So yeah, I, I like being, I think, well, part of it is that I like being the outsider. Like I like kind of not fitting in. I like not having, I don't know, kind of being a little bit of an outsider in whatever way that means. Um, but it, it really, I, I was in college. I was living at home. I was a commuter student. And one of the mentors I had when I was in high school, I was in this like teen leadership program. He was an executive at this boutique bank in New York and he offered me like a part-time job while I was in college in like the administration, like reception area. And I was bored 
So I kind of got promoted into like the capital markets uh, department. And that's kind of where I stayed until um, I, I graduated college, started grad school to defer my student loans, as you do. And as then you, as I, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I dropped out of grad school and I was offered a full time job in the capital markets department. And I just kind of made a career out of that um, because I liked I was a, I went to college I, with a I graduated with a, so, a degree in sociology and women's studies. Mm-hmm. So I kind of treated my career in finance as like a social experiment. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. It validated a lot of the like institutional lessons I learned. Um, and I was kind of hoping that I could change the system from within. Uh, but I got a little fed up at the end of it. So the holistic wallet was born. When you say um, like institutional lessons, what do you mean by that? So there were like, I was paid 60% of what the men around me were making. Mm -hmm. Um, And like with the same title, uh, I actually had more skills. Um, I was able to use Excel and type an email, which (laughs) goes far with (laughs) middle-aged men. (laughs) I don't, I don't know how they got oh, wait, that they couldn't, they couldn't do that? Like, I don't no, know. No, it was so hard. Like, like, the constant printing and, like, oh, the dictating. I can't. I just... Do you have, like, a specific memory of somebody failing at writing an email or using a... Or, like, creating an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> that stands out to you? <laughs> There's so many. It's just, it was, like, every day of my life. It's, like, I was, like, get emails in my inbox, like, how do you make hundreds of thousands of dollars and not know how to write an email? Like, how do you not use basic punctuation, but for capitalization or anything like that, or no, like the version of there you're supposed to use. It's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so there was, uh, I don't want to call anyone out um, because they're sensitive, you know, about their manhood and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so there was, um, so I was, I was paid like 60%. Um, and I tried to do everything like the right way. Like I tried to, like, I never went into a negotiation for, um, a raise or a promotion. Like, well, these guys are making this and I'm only making this. Like I, I was very much like by the book, by the strategy, like this is my output. This is how much profit you've made off of it. This is why I am worthy of this, you know, increase. And it was always like, (laughs) well, why aren't you grateful to have this job? Like, like what, like you don't have kids. Why do you need more money? Like and they were just like the, the responses I had were just so textbook. Like, oh my and I was like, wow, this is really a thing. Um, and then I also like, because of the position I was in, I knew everyone else's salaries. So I knew that the women of color were making less than the white woman. Mm-hmm. I knew that the women were making less than the men. Um, those were pretty much the only identities that I was aware of to like, notice things against um but yeah but so I saw those things and I was like this is crazy and um I probably would have had a good lawsuit like if I did sue Mm -hmm. um but I was afraid like I wasn't sure that I was definitely gonna like leave that industry permanently so I didn't want to burn any bridges um because I did know know a woman who did sue and won successfully but she had to change careers like Mm -hmm. change industries because she was kind of blacklisted Mm -hmm. yeah you basically like burn the opportunity to continue working in that industry. It's like, 
it's like a big um, flipping the bird goodbye, yeah. like throwing a firebomb, like yeah. he's out. Behind you, yeah. yeah. Like letting it explode as you walk through like a yep. Mission Impossible, yeah. Yeah, I'm totally picturing that scene in the movie, <laughs> but like something, you're like walking out like a G and something just blows up behind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't do that. I just like politely closed the door behind me. <laughs> uh-huh but that's like that's intense and yeah. emotional and disappointing and real yeah yeah I'm still dealing with the trauma of that I still write about it a lot mm-hmm. to hear about it I'm sure yeah you and I have talked previously a lot about like money stories and and what money stories are and like how they impact your relationship with finances and how you manage money and earn money and all that good stuff. So I'm curious on this, you know, do you feel like that was a defining moment in your money story when you look back on that experience, being there, you know, negotiating raises and ultimately leaving? Yeah. I mean, the leaving part totally changed everything. Like it totally changed my perspective on personal finance. Um, I think like while I was there and while I was like learning how to money, um, how, to was, money? how to money? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I, I was like, oh my God, like, did I sell my soul to the devil here? Like, I have to do right by this money, right? Because, like, this, like, even though I wasn't doing anything illegal, like, I wasn't doing anything wrong, but um, it wasn't like perfectly aligned with my goals and values and like life purpose or whatever it is that um, something felt off. And um, so I wanted to like do good things with that money. So I, I, that's what like started my personal finance journey. Cause I did start that career with like $50,000 of consumer debt between student loans, a car loan, credit card debt, that kind of stuff. Um, and I paid that off and like stashed as much as I could in savings, like funded my retirement, like always met my match. If my employer match, if not more. Um, and can you, can you explain a little bit about what you're the, the terms you're using in case someone listening has no idea what you're talking about? Yes. Sorry. So, no, it's okay. It's like, I feel like you're going down a checklist, you know, for yeah. yourself. And I would love for you to kind of explain that checklist a little bit more to anyone listening. Yeah. So I, so basically the theme of me pursuing like financial wellness was to not have any debt and to have like six months of living expenses saved for an emergency or whatever opportunities might come up for me that are not like negative emergencies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then saving for retirement young so that I didn't have to save as much at like, like within like a certain timeframe. So like within a month I was trying to save like three to to 8% of my uh, gross um, salary that my employer would also contribute to my um, retirement account, the 401k. Which I don't know why it's called a 401k in Canada. It's not called a 401k. It's called something like retirement account. <laughs> <laughs> something really straightforward that explains exactly what the hell it is. <laughs> yeah. And that's the problem. Like in our, in our, at least in the American economy, it's very, like the terms are just not intuitive at all. Mm-hmm. And you really, I mean, everything is easy to define if you get to the right place to defi- like find the right person to define it for you. Right. Like if you have your series seven, it makes perfect sense because yeah. you understand everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like you look at like plumbing, like a J pipe, like you can figure out like what a J pipe looks like. Right. It's shaped like a J. Yeah. 
I don't I've never done obligation. Like what's I've a collateralized? Never, I've never done plumbing, Michelle. So I'm literally asking oh. you. <laughs> Look under your sink. All right. <laughs> Let me know what you see. Check under your sink. If it's shaped like a J, you found it. That's the J. <laughs> you can check that off. Uh, you're better at plumbing than most people are at that point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so the, the benefit of working for a corporation or a company or whatever, a bigger company, some small companies do this, but um, is that they have like a, they contribute to your, they'll like match your retirement contributions. So if you like up to a certain amount, so like my employer matched up to 3%. So if I, as, as long as I saved 3% of my uh, gross pay to my retirement account, they would also give me 3%. Mm. Um, so I, I was like, I'm not leaving that money on the table because I'm, I'm already only making 60%. So I need to get everything that I can out of these people. So, mm. um, so I contribute. So I had like some money in, in my retirement account so that like, when I, while I was building my business, I didn't have to worry about, I was only like, I was in my late twenties. So I didn't have to worry about like losing time to not contribute. Um, because it just, it's easier to contribute to like your retirement account when you're younger, because you have time for that money to grow and earn interest in the stock market and bond market, whatever financial markets, mm-hmm. all these products are invested in. But, mm-hmm. um, Compound interest is a beautiful thing when it's working in your favor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not the other way around. Um, So yeah. So that was, that was basically what I did. Um, And I knew how to like budget and how to kind of mindfully manage my cash flow, so that by the time I did leave, I was, I felt like I had a a solid financial foundation underneath me to like Mm -hmm. grow my business on top of (laughs) before it was profitable. Mm-hmm. Is that like what you would recommend um, for people who are potentially considering quitting a day job and starting their own business or kind of striking out on their own? Would you say ideally in the ideal situation that they have six months of living expenses, that they are a- as close to out of debt as possible? Um, you know, is, would that be your professional advice? No. My professional advice is to know your risk tolerance and what feels right to you. So like I have like a lower risk tolerance than someone else potentially. So for me to feel comfortable and not like running around like a headless chicken while Mm -hmm. I was fully self-employed, that's what was comfortable for me. Um, Actually, I had like a year's worth of living expenses, no debt and that retirement savings. So um, so that was like what helped me sleep a little bit better at night. But like I've had clients who have left with a lot less and did fine for themselves. So it's, so I don't like, I don't want to encourage anyone to like put off pursuing their passion because like they're not, they don't have like the Dave Ramsey checklist completed yet. I don't know who Dave Ramsey is. Who's that? Oh. <laughs> Dave Ramsey is actually, he just posted something on Instagram. That was like the first, his dog died. And oh, I was like, sad. Oh, I resonate. Like it was huge. It was just like a really great post, like a kind compassion. I was like, Oh, for the first time I like you. 
Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like he's, he's, a, he's a big financial. He can't lead player. with his dog died and I expect know. the rest of us to dislike I him. I know, that was a horrible setup. <laughs> um, uh, I'm the horrible person. No, it's okay. Um, no. <laughs> we, we all are sometimes. <laughs> no, he, he has like a very, um, his personal finance tactics, I think, are very effective for a lot of people. Um, who need a lot of like rigid structure, who like don't want to make decisions for themselves and like just want someone to tell them like what to do and when to do it. Um, for the rest of us who are a little more creatively minded and um, unique and quirky and, and not really trusting of just what people tell us to do, like just do this because you're supposed to do it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, though his systems just are not effective because it's just, it just comes across as like preachy and holier than now and stuff like that. So um, and so, so people kind of see that and they're like, oh, I don't like that at all. So I'm just never going to be good at money, but there are, are alternatives to that. And that's where I come in. Mm-hmm. When you see like common, you know, what do you think are the most common, I'm going to call them shoulds, like the things people think they should do, like I should do this or I should do this with their money. Um, particularly, you know, when you work with clients, what are the most common shoulds that you think people are carrying around, like regarding their finances that they need to release and let go of, you know, to, to translate that into something more personalized? Yeah. I think the whole, I have to like the have to pay off debt thing. Mm. Um, I'm not totally on board with that. Um, just because, if you don't figure out like what got you into debt in the first place, um, it's not like you, you have, I think you kind of have to deal with that first before you, you totally pay off your debt. Um, consolidating debt. People are like, Oh, it just is so much better to like, and cheaper to consolidate your debt. Most times consolidating your debt is actually more expensive and kind of exacerbates the issue. Um, or yeah, I guess like, I'm not really sure that I've had any like exact numbers, but people like usually when people come to me, there's like this shame of like, well, I know I should be doing this, but I just can't get myself to do it. Mm-hmm. But well, it's like, well, well, what do you want to be doing? Like regardless of what you think you should be doing or what everyone else around you is doing, what do you want? And what would like, what are your values and goals and, and how do you get your finances to align with those things rather than just worrying about, you know, I'm not supposed to have debt. It's so embarrassing that I have, I'm paying interest. Paying interest is so horrible. Like it's actually not that bad to be paying interest. Like I, like there's certain interests that I can be like, yes, it's like almost criminal. Some interest rates I've seen people get charged, but like it's, you're paying for like time, right? Like you're paying for the convenience of not having to have saved for something that, that you had access to something before you had the means to finance it. So or to fund it. So I think there's a benefit sometimes to paying that interest. Most of the time, like I go into it being like, okay, this is going to cost me like 2% interest and this, that's going to total up to another $300. So I'm okay paying $300 extra. Like most of the time when we take out debt, we're not thinking like, well, this is going to cost me X dollars more, you know, let me, let me get there. And I think that's like when people get really frantic about paying off their debt because they start to realize like, wow, this is costing so much money and interest. I am not okay with this. When you say that people need to figure out like what got them into debt in the first place, Mm -hmm. 
I just think that's such an interesting topic. Um, that's someone that like, I could see, I could, I would think like, oh, well, how do I just, how do I figure out what got me into debt in the first place? And like, whether that's something that needs to be adjusted within myself or within my attitudes or habits around money. Um, like what, you know, what, how do you even decide, how do you figure that out? Yeah. So I'm a data nerd. So like, I like to look back through past statements and stuff to see like on like credit card bills or I mean, like a student loan, like you kind of know where that, um, how that, where that came from or a car loan, like, you know, what's on the other side of that car loan. Um, but like when it comes to like, I guess a personal loan or uh, credit cards, we don't really like, there's so many different charges that can be associated with that debt. Um, sometimes you can go through the past statements and like tally everything up or ex- export everything to a spreadsheet like I love to do. Um, or you can just kind of be like, get a payment plan in place. Like, all right, this is like, start paying that debt off, but also like mindfully uh, tracking and, and seeing what your habits are like as you charge purchases or as you are shopping for a car or as you know, like, as you're making decisions, like, and you had this impulse to like rely on debt or credit um, or take money from savings, like to see, or like, or, or when you're faced with this, even not even with debt, like if you just have like a windfall or just a good payday or, or, or just not even a hundred, you get a hundred dollars or whatever you get and how you respond to that money, like what you're doing with that. Are you putting it to savings? Are you spending it right away? Are you ignoring it? Is it going towards debt? Like what's, what does that look like? What's your, what what's your thought process as you like mindfully like your thoughts and feelings as you start interacting with that Mm, very interesting so it's kind of like as money flows in how are you distributing it in your life and like managing that yeah what um so this is kind of a left turn but i would love to know Cause I know that you've done, and, and like we mentioned this earlier when I introduced you that you've done quite a bit of um, your own kind of personal money story work and beliefs and like that your beliefs around money have shifted quite a bit since you've been, you know, a creative entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What do you think are like the biggest beliefs around money that you've had to crack or overcome or change in your own journey? The biggest one is that money is limited, that there's like a finite resource of money um, I think like when I started, when I went, uh, fully self-employed, I was still in this mindset that like, I couldn't touch my savings or like that, like if I touch my savings, I would never replenish it again. Or, um, just like the, these, that like, if someone else had money that like, that meant that I didn't have that money. Um, where it was like almost like a zero sum game that like someone else's wealth wealth is my poverty and like I'm not good enough because they have more money. Um, and when I started to like unwind this stuff where, where I realized like I was <laughs> the first six months of being fully self-employed were like really um, traumatic or, or just like, I just wasn't in a good place with it because it was just so crazy where I, w- I was just so scared. Like I wasn't operating from like, healthy like loving place I was like oh my god my, my money's going away and um I wasn't my business wasn't profitable um at the time so it was really scary and 
I was very short-sighted in thinking about that. And when we have that like scarcity mindset, we make really bad decisions. So like, I would think in that situation that I would be making really good fight, like really frugal and like deliberate financial decisions, but I was actually doing the complete opposite where I was just like throwing money at like whatever I thought could make me more money. So like any course I could invest in or any coach or any program or whatever it was, um, any new tech overhauls in my business there, it was just a constant money leak that I just was like pouring money out, which doesn't make sense. Like, it's just not the, it's not a, it wasn't a long-term, a good long-term strategy. Um, and it didn't make me feel good either. Now I have been able to, you know, replenish a lot of that money, but I had to do that from a place of thinking about things in the long term, and that like this, there isn't that there's plenty of money out there that I'm worthy of however much money that I desire and that I can uh, pursue. Uh, I can, I can run my business in a way that like is both profitable and also um, like aligned with the mission that I'm trying to, you know, uh, put out into the, the mission world. you're on. Yeah. <laughs> to get people to like, you know, do this good things with money and, and not be stressed by this financial stuff. Looking back on like the stuff that you invested in over the six months that you were like, I was just throwing money at problems <laughs> or like, yeah. which is, that's like what I take away and what I hear from, you know, from what you're telling yeah. us. And so what I'm curious about is looking back now, would you say that those, the money that you spent at the time, like really didn't bring you, like it didn't provide enough value for the investment? Or are you saying more that you wish you had made those decisions from a, a like a more grounded place or, um, I don't know. Does that question make yeah. sense to you? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think I, I definitely got some really important life lessons from that. I don't think that I would be who I am today and like have the um, the perspective that I have towards this stuff that in a way that like makes me a better coach if I didn't have that experience. Mm. So I really value how I was just kind of hemorrhaging money, um, in the beginning of my self-employment, my full, you know, total self-employment. Um, but I, I don't know if those were definitely, I, I wasn't really tracking things that well back then. So I, I don't really know how, effective or ineffective those investments were. Mm. Um, but I know they were probably weren't necessary. Like they weren't necessary in like growing my business. They were definitely necessary in the big scheme of things of like giving me perspective and, and um, expanding like my own like personal perspectives and, and, and skills as a, as a coach and leader on this stuff. What would you define your mission as? I don't, I, for, when I was back in the corporate world, um, I was, I had worked my way up into middle management pretty early and I was surrounded by people who were like in their, I was in my twenties. They were all in their like late thirties, forties, fifties. And they all still were like up to their noses in debt, like had lifestyles that they really couldn't afford. And they were making really good money. And I remember being really like scared by that, that like, 
wow, like they're making all this money and they're not using it well. Like, why are they doing that? Like, what? and they're not happy, right? They're, mis- they're, they're, they're like handcuffed to their jobs. They're, they're afraid to leave because they can't afford life without this job. And then I was like, well, I could start my own business. And then like in this like online business world, I saw the same thing happening where like in the past people were kind of like living paycheck to paycheck in my corporate sphere in the in, uh, entrepreneur sphere, people were kind of living like launch to launch mm-hmm. and they were really successful. And like the money is, the money was still kind of like leaking out. It wasn't like, there was just kind of all this disorder and it just made the whole, like the energy of the space just kind of felt very frantic and um, chaotic. And I think like that, like, I don't think that I would have be able to have the business that I have today if I wasn't able to manage my money like know the financial strategies to like make the best choices when it came to taking out credit or when to save or when, you know, how to, how to manage debt and savings at the same time and how to manage your cash flow and budget and, and those kind of things. Um, however, um, I, I think that it would make everyone do their own jobs better. Like they're, they're pursue their own missions and their, creative endeavors, I think they would show up better and have bigger impact if they weren't so stressed about the financial piece on the other side of that. Because at the end of the day, like we live in a capitalist society, we still have to pay for things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's, we don't want to be total martyrs when it comes to, you know, this stuff where it's like, Oh, I can just be a starving artist or I can, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like you still need food and, and a roof over your head and like the basic, necessities and also like why not also enjoy yourself and and go beyond just the necessities and like have some luxury and and that kind of stuff that like isn't totally necessary but like is an awesome thing to experience in your life so I feel like that's just a lot easier when your finances like you have like systems and and the the mindset to manage that Mm mm-hmm I love that you are, you bravely are talking about like not being profitable for the first six months of going full-time with your business. Um, What? So the first year, if not longer. First year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I just want to, I just, I appreciate that you're being so honest about it because I think that, that it's really common for someone who, you know, wants to start their own business or kind of wants to do their own thing or wants to offer creative services or, you know, just leave their job and and start a business, whatever that business might look like as a creative. And sometimes it, you know, you do feel it can be easy to like compare yourself to what other people are going through and assume that everyone else is so successful um, when everyone's journey is different. And I think that it is, I think that there's definitely a lot of mythology particularly in the online business space and in marketing around, you know, it just happening immediately or like, you know, in the snap of a finger. Also the revenue versus profit thing. Totally. A big thing in this industry where people are like, oh, I made six figures or seven figures. And then like, I'll start talking like, well, that's like, that's like, oh, I don't have those problems because I make six figures. And it's like, well, you spent six figures too. So, um, at the end, like, did you like your own salary? Is it really, you know, what it's like, we see it as like, oh, this person makes so much money, but their expenses, both their business expenses and their personal expenses could be really, really high too. 
So it doesn't necessarily mean that they are living a very luxurious uh, lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, oh, I just made six figures. And I'm going to go buy like a really fancy car. Yeah. Um, that was a terrible example because I don't, I don't know that much about cars. So <laughs> I feel like that could have been a great joke for someone who knew a lot about cars, but yeah, I don't know much about cars. Fortunately, that fell flat. It's okay. Yeah, it's right. You don't win them all. um kind of on this note what do you think like what advice would you give or what what's your belief or philosophy around creating balance in your life as someone who is both creative and an entrepreneur um because I know you talk about like you know and this even is like in Maslow's hierarchy of human needs right it's this you know we need to feel safe and secure and obviously you know our financial wellness, which is a a term that I love that you use, um, you know, is a huge part of that. Like we don't feel the freedom to create at will if we aren't first financially supported. So I'm curious in your opinion, you know, how do you create balance as a creative and entrepreneur? Well, I think this ties into boundaries. So like when we, when we talk about boundaries, especially in like the personal development industry, where we're so open to having boundaries in relationships and like a work-life balance and that kind of stuff. But when it comes to money, we're like, oh no, we can't have boundaries with that. Like we can't, we can't stifle our creative energy with money. Um, but I think that there's like a boundary that we can set where you can say like, I'm going to spend this much on this, or I'm going to invest this much on this. Um, or I'm going to do this until, like as long as I make this. And if I'm not making that, then I have to figure something else out to supplement this. Um, but I think when it, when it comes down to like budgeting and um, or having like a financial safety net to like make a certain leap or something like that, um, it's basically just a matter of like having, like knowing what your limit is, knowing your risk tolerance, knowing like what your balance, like what, what that boundary looks like for you and being conscious of that um, and like checking in. And I mean, like we're, we mindlessly do so many things, right? Like I, I just, I sneezed the other day and I had a tissue on my nose and before I could realize that I had just sneezed and needed to get a tissue. So like there's so much mindlessness that we go through in our like modern lives, but um, just getting clear on, on like your values, your goals and your boundaries is like, and, it, and it's applicable to any area, like not just money, but um, in relationships and in how like things we do in our free time and, you know, what we eat and, and how we exercise and, and that kind of stuff. It's all the same thing are like checking in with yourself and being like, am I doing what's aligned with my bigger purpose and the, the person I want to be? How do you help people make those decisions or like come to like come to what I would call like their guiding, their guiding North star or, um, you know, making decisions around finances that feel aligned with who they are and what they value and really what they want to create in their life. So I think like when it comes to like knowing your values, so like, let's say you value security, um, hemorrhaging money is probably not going to make you feel very secure. Um, but also like hemorrhaging money into things that like are really like, they're like good long-term investments. Like that might actually make you feel like, or like a good business investment that might make you feel secure. So it, it, there is like, there's a lot of, you can kind of play devil's advocate for, for both sides. Like, Oh, like you can kind of make the argument that whatever action you're making does 
in the end serve your goals and values and stuff. Um, however, I think intuitively, intuitively we know like what is and isn't aligned in some way. Um, the, the biggest, the first step of that is like dumping everything out and kind of figuring out what you're working with, like knowing your, your goals and values. I have a certain framework that I use with clients called the, um, the mindset mapping and mastery phases um, where like mindset you focus on like what your beliefs are, what your feelings are and stuff like that, your thoughts. Then there's the mapping where it's, you're looking at the numbers, the systems you have in place to kind of, I, I'm, I believe in like minimalism and, and simplifying as much as you can because and so that you can make less financial decisions in a day. Um, you don't have to constantly be thinking about like the coffee and the rent. But, and then there's like the mastery, which is like the being with money, like having money and um, like being mindful and conscious, like as you go through life, because money is constantly flowing in and out of us. Um, hopefully it, it stays a little while, like we can be a little present with it at times. Um, but that mastery phase is a lot of it's trial and error. It's us like doing something and realizing it doesn't feel good and then learning from that. Because a lot of times like we, we will make financial choices and we're like, oh, that didn't feel good. And we keep doing the same thing over and over. And um, it's kind of like cyclical. And, and we, but when we're not mindful of that, then we're like, oh, like, why, why do I keep hitting myself in the face, right? Like, because it feels so good when I stop. Like that kind of mentality of like, okay, well, maybe I don't have to do this because this isn't aligned with these, like, this mindset piece or like these numbers and kind of bringing that all together. Um, but it, it's just like a trial and error type process of like working through that experience and getting more data and, you know, kind of collecting data to, to kind of figure out a little more and more. Mm, I love that. Is that also, cause I know you have a program, um, Michelle has a program called Holistic Wealth School. And I'm curious if that's like a similar process that people kind of go through in that program as well. Like, do you, do you kind of give people that framework to do on their own? Like, what is that? How does that translate? Yeah. So I have like the Holistic Wealth School is like a big catalog of courses, but um, there, so the way that I kind of set it up, is we're, we're all kind of starting from different places. So like someone might have like the mindset piece down pat and not understand the numbers, whereas someone else might be totally clear on the numbers, like tracking everything, like they, they check their bank account like every single day and just not get the mindset piece. Um, there's, so, so there's different programs to focus on like different things, but at the end, every, like the, the, the underlying theme in every program that, I offer in holistic wealth school is like aligning your financial life with your holistic values and goals. And, um, and knowing that like money is replaceable, but like opportunities might not be, or people might not be people. People are definitely not replaceable. Um, master cloning. There's Um, no might about that. (laughs) You're one of a kind. So yeah, so so there's like those pieces, but at the end, but it, it all ties into that, like you need to have all three. You need to have the mindset piece, you need to have the strategy and the systems piece, and you need to have like the actual execution of things, like the, the taking action on 
that the mindset and the strategy and, you know, bringing it all together to make sure that your, um, your life is aligned with who you want to be. Fantastic. I love that so much. Um, so I have one, I have a couple final questions that, um, are questions that I must ask everyone on this show, (laughs) at least this season. And the question is, um, if you had $5 million, like just tax free $5 million deposited into your account next week, what would you use that money for? Okay. I would have to sit for a week at least to figure out what I want to do with it. But off the top of my head, um, I would, I would put a million dollars of that in savings because that's my goal to have a million dollars saved by my 40th birthday. So check. Um, The other $4 million I would use towards different causes. Um, I guess I would split $2 million to grow the holistic wallet and make, and kind of make, maybe make a more volunteer branch out of that where I could do more with like schools and um, shelters and foster care systems. And then the other 2 million, I, I would put towards the foster care system itself um, and domestic violence or domestic abuse shelters. That would definitely, definitely be that. And I would do it not anonymously because um, I believe that that would encourage other people to be open about, like there's no shame in giving money to mm-hmm. causes that we believe in. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Do you want to share a little bit about why the, those are the causes you would choose? Sure. Um, I have a family member who survived domestic violence. I survived domestic abuse and left a relationship uh, in the past couple of years. And I think we all, I didn't, I didn't realize how um, impactful the psychology, like the, the psychological impact of that, the nature of that abuse is on someone in the long term. Um, just putting someone in a shelter, I don't think fixes anything. Um, so there's a lot that I see that needs to be done there. I was able to survive what I survived and the family member I know um, was able to survive, but she was able to survive because of the financial foundations we had underneath us. So um, that's something that's really important to me. Um, not just because when you're trying to like break down the psychological trauma of all of that, the whole experience, um, being able to afford food and shelter and a safe space um, and just like basic self-care needs um, while you're building your life back together is necessary. Yeah. And, and, you know, the reality is that so many people feel trapped or are trapped in abusive relationships or like marriages or situations where, you know, domestic violence is part of their everyday life and they they're they are trapped because they like don't have the financial means to leave so yeah. that's um, one last step too yeah. one last one last uh block in the way of exiting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm glad we left that on a, we ended that on a positive note. Well, it's important because I think that there are, I think that we are all, you know, in a space of creating the, the lives that we want. And, um, and that also means providing the service that we, that we are here to provide. And so there are many different layers and levels to that service and who we feel called to support and causes that are close to our hearts. And I think um, that there is, it's an important balance we have to strike as human beings where we are giving ourselves the permission to create the lives that we want for ourselves to be our best selves so we can serve at our highest, our highest level and our highest um, point of contribution and ability to contribute. And I think that there, there, I know many people who carry guilt because they feel like, well, there are so many people who are less fortunate or are in shittier situations, right? And I think it's important for us to um, kind of maintain our own sense of, you know, these are my needs, these are my desires. And, and a big piece of that is contribution and support um, to, to these causes, to people who you know, are in situations with domestic violence, who have been through abuse, who are underprivileged for a, a whole series of reasons. So I'm, I'm glad that we're touching on it. And it yeah. is coming towards the end of our interview when there's so much else to say about this. But I think I think what we'll have to say for now is that we're just going to have to do another episode where we talk so. about more about this topic. And it is a positive thing. I, you know, I think like our knee-jerk reaction is like, it's mindless, it's like, oh, this is really negative. This is scary and sad. But it's also like to be able to help other people is like people is a really um, positive thing. And it's a really happy, um, shiny, you know, thing that it, c- it can be both, I suppose, is just what I wanted to touch on before we moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that these things happen, but it's, it's, it's just real. Like it's yeah. just something we're facing as humans. Yeah. And they're good that they can be temporary. It's good that they can be temporary too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what parting piece of advice would you give to a creative who was listening to this episode and was like, I just need, you know, if there's one thing you want them to take away from today, what would that be? I would say to just be mindful about how you interact with your finances. You- Uh, there's so many tips and tricks I can give you for actually like managing your money, but it takes some time to like break through the resistance that we feel to actually acknowledge it and and be mindful of it and and interact with it. So um, practice like the way we we would practice meditation or healthy eating or or anything like that. Um, Just practice being mindful about how you feel and think about money is the most important step we can all take at first. I love that. So if, um, if someone wanted to find you and stalk you on the interwebs, where can we send them? <laughs> we can send them to theholisticwallet.com. But do, if you are listening to this on a treadmill, do not browse the internet at this time. Wait till you are on steady ground, please. <laughs> we don't want you strip tripping and falling on your <laughs> treadmill on our watch. There are cameras. You will be humiliated there are cameras, you will become a viral YouTube sensation (laughs) and we will take all the credit, but we won't be proud of it. No. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, This has been 
an amazing time. I super appreciate you coming on to share all of your brilliance and good advice with us. Um, just so you guys know, there's going to be a whole list of fun links in the show notes. When you go to the jamiejensen.com slash creatives making money, you can find even more specific links about lots of things that we talked about today that might be helpful to you on your personal financial journey. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you here next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. And if you liked today's episode, don't go anywhere before you subscribe. Also remember that after the show, it's the after party. We do a weekly after party on Facebook Live, typically on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, but this week we'll be going live on Thursday. Each week I'll be jamming there live, and this week I'll be jamming live with Michelle on special actionable takeaways for you from this week's episode. Go to creativesmakingmoney.com slash afterparty to join us tomorrow, Thursday, the 11th of October at... 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. We will see you there. And if you're also looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives, remember that you totally can because part of the purpose of this podcast is to create conversation and community. So my biggest hope is that you continue the convo in our private online Facebook lounge. Just head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash group to join our free group for listeners. And as always, you can always find the important links and details from this week's episode in the episode show notes. Those are available at creativesmakingmoney.com slash Michelle B. That's Michelle with two L's B. Do not hesitate to head over there now. And as always, create like you mean it.